What up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 6 of Mr. Benfica. How's everyone doing this week? It's Friday night. Uh, the weekend is here. TGIF. I've clocked out. I'm done with work for the week. Time to, to do what I love to do, and that is to come on here and talk about Benfica, especially when Benfica is back where they belong, on top, albeit by head-to-head. But we're back in first place this week, just as we were last week. But after a week, a stressful week a week ago, uh, after dropping points at home, uh, Benfica sent a, a message loud and clear to the rest of the Liga Nage that this team is not about to crumble. We went into Moreira Dushkanagush and spanked Moreira's 4 to nothing. Okay, there's The game's not without its polemica, without its controversy, but at the end of the day, You'd have to be out of your mind to say that this was not a just result. Um, and best of all, and neededly, uh, this is an international break now. So even though some players are off with the national teams, uh, Benfica has a much-needed weekend off. I mean, they've been, they have been absolutely just running like like machines the last three, four weeks, two games a week, whether it's Tasa, Tasa the Liga, which was way back in January, but um, Tasa Portugal, like I said, Europa League. Every week there's been a midweek game, almost every single week since January. Really good for the guys, I think, and for the squad to regenerate. Good for the Mister, for Mister Bruno Lage. He is, um, he is no doubt. I'm sure enjoying the time to do some training, something that uh, that the team needed and has not been able to do. And try to regenerate a little bit. Get ready for this final push that starts up next week. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustino here with you for another week. I'm here in frigid, frigid Worcester County, Massachusetts. Here in the northeast of the United States of America. It's cold again. Last week we had downpours and lightning. It's uh, back to being cold. Spring has supposedly begun, but nah, not here. <laughs> not here, at least not overnight. It, it is cold, and I can feel it down here in the man cave. But it is time to talk some Benfica. I've been waiting all week for this. Um, finally, Benfica had a weekend match. How about that? And we got another one. But guess what? The Liga Nage waits until ye- this morning, I believe, is the t- when it was announced. Um, Benfica's next match will be the 30th of March at home to Tondela. Benfica playing the night game, the nightcap, tip, uh, kicking off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, Eastern, not, 8.30 p.m. Uh, local time in Lisbon. Um, Porto playing about four hours earlier. Once again, Porto gets to play first, like they get to every week. This is, uh, this is quite frustrating because, um, Porto get to play first, you get a, <laughs> without using language I, I don't want to use, you get a, a clown show like you got last week at the Ladrão, at the Stadio do Ladrão, playing 84 minutes against 10 men on a bogus red card, winning a penalty kick on the same exact play, that same exact referee did not call just a few days earlier in the Stadio de Luz. Uh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna get on these refs. I'm not gonna let this be about refs, but I had to say that. 
This is what we're up against, guys. This is what we're up against, Benfica Nation. All the way to the end. Eight finals to go. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to win all eight games because I don't believe that Porto will lose because they will be carried. They have been carried, they will be carried. Okay. There is absolutely something going on, okay? I don't wanna sound like a conspiracy theorist, but we're seeing with our own eyes and you know, like so many other Benfiquistas my age, I'm traumatized still from the Apito Dorado era. Okay, the nineties were a dark time and you see things that even when you see it with your eyes, you don't believe what you're seeing. And we're, it's starting to look like that again. Offside goals, penalty kicks, ridiculous red cards. Whereas, you know, every single one of our goals seems to need to be reviewed by the VAR before it can be, before it can be validated. Um, you know, how many fouls do we have to take before, before uh, referees issue cards? You know, teams seem to be getting free shots on our players. And uh, when Porto's on the field, the other team is, is getting booked and sent off. But uh, that's what we're up against. But that's what's going to make it that much better when we, uh, we get to the Marquez at the end of the season. I believe we can be there. This team has what it takes. This team has the manager they need. Um, they just need to keep playing this way. The way they played last Sunday in Moreira dos Conegos, okay? They need, they need the Massa Societiva. They need the... the they need the Red Sea, as I call it in English. They need all of the Benficacias to be the Colinu. We are the Colinu, okay? We're up against, we're up against, you know, the Fruta, but we can do this, okay? So, fans need to stay united, need to stay together more than ever, need to get behind this team and to, to support this team all the way through to the end, okay? We can do this. We got a lot to play for still. We're alive on three fronts. We're alive in the league, most importantly in the league, but we've still got the Europa League, and we got an important Taça Portugal game coming up in just about 10 days, okay? In just about 10 days, we're going to Alvalade to play the second leg of the Taça Portugal semifinals. It does not get any easier once the guys get back from international duty, and um, for those of you that don't know, next week... Even though there's no game this weekend, there will be episode 7 of Mr. Benfica. Plus, plus, I got two episodes coming out for you next week. Next week, I got an extra one. Um, a bonus, if you will, for all the listeners. And a bonus for you to share with your non benfica friends. Because um, we all have them. We all have friends that, uh, that support other teams. So, uh... I got an episode for all of you next week called Mr. Portugal or Mr. Portugal, however you want to pronounce it, whichever pronunciation you prefer, where I will break down the Portuguese national team's two games during this break. Uh, one happened earlier today, a nil-nil draw at the Stade de Luz against the Ukraine. I'm not going to talk much about it here because this isn't the place for it, but um, I will just say that... Uh, from what I've seen so far, and I'll watch the match in its entirety, probably as soon as I'm done recording this, what I've seen so far, we're spoiled with Benfica. They're so fun to watch. Benfica are so fun to watch. They play the game in a way that you just can't wait for the next game, whereas, and this isn't all the national team's fault, they've got what, two, three training sessions at the most to prepare for these games. These guys come around from all these different clubs from every corner of Europe, and 
they got to get it together in just a couple days to play against a team that's coming out to play for the 0-0 like it did today. Um, not taking anything away from the Ukraine, but international football as a product is just not as good as club football. And I know people, especially here in the United States, they seem to think the American soccer fan is supports the national team through and through, and they support their club team when the national team's not playing, it seems like. And they think that the club teams are here to serve the national team, and they're, the pyramid works that way. Whereas uh, I think we, at least Iberians, Portuguese and Spanish fans, look at things much differently. We are our club is our club through and through, and the national team is filler, especially during the season. I mean, I I love the summer tournaments, you know, that's a bit different. But these international breaks in the middle of the week, in the middle of the season, they uh, the games just don't have the quality. Um, uh, na national teams just aren't anymore. They just don't play together enough to put the same product on the field that a club team like Benfica is is putting on the field, you know, within the last three months. Um, so it it's frustrating to be a Portugal fan uh, when we play against these teams because we know our team is not very... It, it struggles most against these type of teams. And that's why in the last Euro... Uh, and I shouldn't be getting on this. This is, pro this is content for next week. But um, in the last Euro, you know, we struggled through the group stages because those teams played played defensive against us, played for the tie, and we struggle to create goals when the counterattack is not on. Um, and that's what I'll say about that. If you want to hear what I what I think about the Portuguese national team, about the game against Ukraine, or the upcoming match against Serbia, which may or may not be featuring Fasia, believe it or not, who's been called in. However, he has stayed in Lisbon the entire time. He has not gone to Serbia. He has stayed in Lisbon and waited for the Serbian team to arrive. Um... Not sure if we're going to see him Monday on the pitch or not, but uh, Zivkovic is also in the Serbian team for this game. Um, and that's really, you know, that's that's the premise for tonight's show. we got a great show. Uh, tonight we're going to talk a lot about Andreas Samaric, uh, <laughs> man of the match last Sunday. Absolutely fantastic performance by, by the Greek midfielder. Um, we're going to talk a lot about him. And... Uh, we're going to go right into the game, talking about some of the instances. We're going to talk about some statistics. we got one game to go over tonight. That's it. Hopefully, this, this, this show will be shorter because we've only got one game to cover. Next week, we will preview the league game against Tondela, and we will preview the Tassa game against Sporting. And remember, back when we played Sporting, I said we were going to review that first game against Sporting, the first leg, that is, uh, that we played a while back, back in February, I believe, just a few days after beating them in the Liga at the Alvalade, we hosted them and won 2-1 to one at Stadio de Luz. We'll go back and, and, and briefly touch on that next week before we preview um, the upcoming game. But that that's what's what's on tap for the, for the foreseeable future here with Mr. Benfica. Uh, stay tight right there. We're going to come back with the news. We got a message before the news tonight. We're going to... Um, we're going to roll an ad uh, to pay some bills. Got to pay the bills, all right? <laughs> this is America. It's expensive. Got to pay the bills. So after the ad and after Reconquista, I'll be back with the news. Stay right there.
It is now time for this week's news surrounding the club. First up is the news announced just this week. Benfica returning to the International Champions Cup, which presumably means returning right here to North America. Very excited about this, as I'm sure most of my listeners, the ones here in the United States and Canada are, um, wondering if, if uh, there'll be a stop in Canada this, this time around. Uh, hopefully another game at Red Bull Arena. I mean, we really, last year, that turned into a mini Stadio de Luz. I would love to see that become Benfica's real, uh, home base here in America. I mean, it's you, you can't get a better location for Benfica. I know if you live elsewhere, you're not <laughs> agreeing with me necessarily. And I don't live in New Jersey. I live up here in Massachusetts, but I got no problem driving four hours, five hours, whatever traffic dictates, like I did last year to see um, Benfica play in an atmosphere like I saw at Red Bull Arena. Um, right in the heart of Portuguese America. I mean, you know, a hop, skip, and jump away from Ironbound in Newark, New Jersey. Um one of the biggest Portuguese neighborhoods probably outside of Portugal in the world. Um, certainly here in the United States, one of the most Portuguese places in the United States. Uh, perfect, perfect location to see Benfica play. I mean, la- we played Juventus last year. Not just anybody. We didn't play the Red Bulls. We didn't play just anybody. We played Juventus. And that stadium was more than three quarters a sea of red. It was Benfiquistas everywhere. It was a legitimate home game for Benfica against Juventus last year. I'm hoping we'll see who the opponents can be. The opponent will be announced on March the 29th. Opponents, locations, dates, and times to, to be announced. Um, we'll see where they're going to play, how many games they're going to play here stateside. But because um, the ICC does not only occur here in the United States, it occurs in Asia, it occurs uh, in Europe. I wonder um, where Benfica is going uh, 
I presume here to North America, I think that's where the market is. I think that's where the, um, I mean, by, by just sheer, sheer uh, proof from, from the reaction to this show and to the other more established shows out there, the other more established podcasts here in the United States in English, Portuguese football has a has a stronghold here. Maybe we're not, maybe not as big as, you know, the Premier League, uh, La Liga, or even Major League Soccer, but uh, there's definitely a large number of people, especially in comparison, you know, to the the size of Portugal. You know, there's an additional, the percentage of viewers that come from, to this league, that come from the United States and Canada, I'm willing to bet are percentage-wise, uh, you know, comparable to 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 uh, what the viewers are in Portugal. I would I would venture to say that um, I'm not going to say that there's as many because that's not true. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're at you know thirty forty percent of the t of the TV audience here in the United States, and it's not even available to so many of us yet. Um, if there's a million. Or roughly a million Portuguese Americans in the United States. I'm not sure the exact number, but uh, if say half of us are watching Portuguese soccer, um, that's half a million people to a, adding to the viewership of a country of 11 million. Um, so it's a significant. We're a significant market share here, and uh, Benfica and the Portuguese league need to recognize that. And I think by participating in competitions like this and being visible in a platform like the International Champions Cup is very important for Benfica in the long run. Um, however, I know from the perspective of the Mister, which remember this is the perspective that my my purpose to 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 present is that perspective. Uh, I'm sure this is a headache for Bruno Lage. Um, bringing a preseason um, coaches have very typically have very. Um, very linear visions of what preseason is and how they want to run it. And it usually does not include flying halfway around the world uh, to play three games in, in seven days or something something along those lines. And to travel the vast distance sometimes you have to travel here in the United States. Although, if Benfica come into the United States... Um, I'd imagine they'd stay on the East Coast, but you never know. There's definitely a following out in California and in British Columbia and Canada. So uh, there's there's large Portuguese communities out there. It wouldn't be beyond uh, reasonable if the ICC placed Befica in Northern California somewhere against um, either a Latin team or or a or a a obvious Premier or Bundesliga team, maybe somebody that can help draw numbers because um, two, not last year, but the previous visit to the International Champions Cup for Befica, they were a little bit, um, they were a little, they were put in a position where they were the the main draw. I went to both games here in, uh, in the United States that year in East Hartford against Fiorentina, and there were literally 10 Fiorentina fans, uh, maybe a 1,000 or two uh, Italians uh, that were not Fiorentina fans, that were just, um, you know, pro-Italian football, calcio, 
people, and then the rest was Benfica. I don't remember. It, I mean, the, only the lower bowl was filled. Benfica had no help in filling that stadium in, in East Hartford, and uh, only drew about eighteen thousand a few nights later at Red Bull Arena. I think because they played Friday in Hartford and played Sunday in in Harrison, um, which not far at all, maybe <laughs> two hours of of a driving distance, and I. I remember laughing when I saw the Twitter that Benfica had actually flown from Newark to Hartford in a very short, short distance to be flying. Um, but hopefully Benfica, if they're going to play in a big market or in a big stadium, one of the uh, NFL American football stadiums, they're going to have to be put up against a Manchester United or a club of that dimension that's going to sell, you know, 30,000 tickets themselves, and then Benfica maybe trying to get 30,000 fans to go. If they play only one game in the East Coast, and it's, say it's, you could get 30,000, I think, Benficistas on a weekend to MetLife Stadium in in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, to, if it's against somebody like uh, Manchester United, a Real Madrid, or a Barcelona, um, you got a chance for a really good crowd because both teams will be drawing, but typically those Top top echelon teams tend to only play each other in these in these uh, in these friendlies, and uh, that's when they they go into locations like the Big House and sell a hundred thousand tickets in Michigan. But uh, we'll see. Uh, this remains to be seen who Benfica will play, where they will play. Uh, either way, I hope to be there. I hope it's within um, within my means to get there. I hope uh, there's a weekend game. I will. I'm willing to drive pretty much. Anywhere that's within you know a twelve hour a twelve hour uh, drive to to see Benfica play that would be phenomenal. I never get tired of seeing Benfica play. Um, and being in this competition, the ICC is very important for Benfica um, from a from a marketing standpoint and a, a branding standpoint. And with all the rumors about a future European Super League, Benfica wants to be at the table with the Real Madrids, with the Manchester Uniteds, Barcelonas, uh, Juventus, AC Milan's, Bayern Munichs. Okay, these are the clubs making the big decisions. If Benfica wants to be invited to the dance, they have to. They have to court. They have to court the girl. You know what I'm saying? They have to go after. You want to take that bombshell to the prom. You want to be invited to the prom. You gotta go after the bombshell. You know, you gotta go after it. You gotta pursue it. And I think Benfica needs to be in this in this competition. Um, from a footballing standpoint, I think it's a bit of a headache, and it can disrupt the preparations for the seasons a bit. And it has caused issues in the past with the Eusebio Cup, a, comp- a game and competition that's very very important to Benfica and to Benficaishas, especially those in Portugal. They. Uh, that competition belongs in Stadio de Luz. It shouldn't be anywhere else. Um, and Benfica really have a responsibility as a club to get their calendar in order for the preseason, so that they get the Ozebu Cup in as the you know as the presentação that should serve as the team's presentação or sócios, as well as the Ozebu Cup. It should serve those two purposes. It needs to be in Stadio de Luz against a big club. But they also have to make time to be at the International Champions Cup. So we'll see what happens. Also, this is late and breaking news that I just saw earlier today from uh, Monica Jorge, who is a former uh, Portugal national team women's coach, now a director, I believe, a, a federation football director 
um, on the women's side. She announced on her Instagram page today, today, um, the announcement of a benefit match to be played on March the 30th, okay, um, the same day that Benfica's hosting Tondela at the Stadio de Luz, early in the day, there will be a benefit match between the Benfica women and the Sporting women. This will be the first time that the two clubs face off, um, both A-teams face off in the women's game. It's going to be played at the Stadio do Castelo, home of the, the real Club Futebol Bolognesis, okay? Um, this benefit game will be to the victims of the cyclone in Mozambique, okay? I think this is a really, really um, classy gesture by FPF, by the Federação Portuguesa de Futebol, the Portuguese FA, uh, to put on this benefit match. Uh, tickets are €2.50, okay? They're not expensive at all. Um, important, I think, for girls in Portugal to, to see a derby, a Benfica Sporting derby, um, in a women's game, I think going to be fantastic for for um, for the people that can get there, and I I'd encourage anyone in the Lisbon area listening to take your whole family, uh, take your sons, take your daughters, take your nephews, your nieces. Let's fill that stadium. It's for a good cause. Okay, let's not fight with Sporting that day. Let's have uh, let's have a good, uh, peaceful sporting uh, sportsman like day um it's bigger than the rivalry honestly there's there's if you don't know guys there has been an absolute disaster a cyclone has hit mozambique a lot of deaths uh countless um people needing essentials okay food water um i mean there's the country is is, is flooded um this is a great gesture, like I said, and I hope that they can raise a lot of money to help out the, the people that need it in Mozambique. And um, very classy uh, from both teams to participate. All right. When we come back, guys, we are going to get right into the match this week, okay? Versus Morirens. Here's a little bit of a highlight reel. And then we got some comments from Andreas Samaris. All right, um, hear what he has to say about how things have turned around for him. And here's what his his goal sounded like. Sit right there, enjoy, and I'll be back on the other side. Quem fi... 
profissionalismo de todos os jogadores e, e agora é uma pausa uh, para as seleções, alguns vão descansar, outros vão para as seleções, mas eu acho que no geral vai fazer bom para a nossa equipa uh, ir nessa pausa no primeiro lugar. Há alguns meses víamos o Samaris com pouco espaço na equipa do Benfica. Hoje em dia o Samaris é um jogador quase imprescindível, faz golos, afirma-se quase como patrão na zona do meio campo. O que é que mudou dentro daquilo que é o estatuto do Samaris na equipa e também na sua cabeça o que é que muda estando agora a jogar? Acredito que seja naturalmente o jogador mais feliz neste momento. Não, não muda nada em termos de comportamento. Acho que... Não acho, tenho certeza que todos, todas as pessoas que trabalham com o Benfica sempre trataram-me de uma maneira muito boa, sempre me respeitaram, não, não quer dizer que se eu jogo ou não jogo, sou um jogador importante ou não menos importante, a verdade é que eu estou a sentir bem, é, agora a jogar e com o ritmo de jogos uh, estou a sentir melhor ainda uh, e pronto, é, é só continuar, eu vou distribuir da maneira que a minha, a minha equipa quer. Também queria acrescentar uma coisa aqui, é que se, se eu não fizesse as coisas uh, da maneira certa, Uh, estes seis meses que eu tinha menos espaço, acho que não, não dava em campo, não saía a imagem que saiu hoje. Por isso eu estou me sentindo bastante feliz por ter feito o trabalho que eu tinha feito os primeiros seis meses e o trabalho que eu estou a fazer desde janeiro até agora e até o fim da época. So you heard there from Andreas Samaris and Matt, how do you feel about your Portuguese now after hearing him, huh? I mean, this guy. This guy is Greek. He's from Greece. Greek is nothing like Portuguese. And listen to that. We've had players from Argentina and Spain. You know, Salvio can't speak Portuguese like that, and he's been in Portugal for how long? I mean, it, it's amazing that somebody just picked up the language that that well. He doesn't just sound like, uh, you know, a foreigner who uh, has learned Portuguese. This guy sounds like sounds well-educated, like an educated Portuguese person. He, uh, <laughs> using, using those terms in there and, uh, you know, he's speaking better than, than most of us, uh, most of us, you know, hyphenated Portuguese that are living abroad. He's really, uh, really got a great command for the Portuguese language. And I think the Spanish-speaking Befica player should take a lesson or two from Andreas Samaris and Krovinovic as well, um, Markovic before him. The the Balkan players seem to, or the Slavic players, seem to learn the language better than, than the Latin players. Uh, and by Latin, I'm talking uh, Latin European as well as Latin American. Um, it's uh, pretty fascinating, and it's, uh, I'd hate to see this guy go. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I've been I've been touting that hashtag Renova Somadish uh, a long time now since he's come back into the into the fold since Fasia went down. I'm sorry guys. Uh Fasia is a great uh he was a great maybe the best I've seen up close and personal play that position. Um the couple of times I've been able to see him, but he is not gonna get healthier. He's not going to be available any more games next season than he's been this season. I really think going forward, especially especially if Benfica sell this year, even with the sale of Jiménez, that in itself should be enough to to keep Samaris. You do not let this guy leave this club and go go to Porto. Don't let him go uh, stay in Portugal. Okay. Um, he likes Portugal. He wants to be in Portugal. I have read that. Him, he has said that. Clearly, he's learned that language and he's, a, he's, he's comfortable in Portugal. Um, I did read 
a a rumor on a ball uh, either today or yesterday that fin not Fenerbahce Galatasaray are gonna come in are gonna come in strong for him. I want to see him stay with us. I mean, we got Flor him and Florentino next year to uh, you know the two of them making up that position. You need two guys at every position. You can't have just one. Okay? Three in this case is too many. I'm sorry I'm sorry Fasia. I know a lot of Benficistas are going to disagree with me, but you're giving us only half a season each each year. If somebody's got to go, you know, it's Fasia. If Fasia can stay for less, then uh, of course I he's a locker room guy. He's a veteran. He's a class act. I'd love to keep him in the team, but if somebody got has to go, I don't want it to be Samadish, and it can't be Florentino unless the price is right, okay? And I want to see Florentino play, you know, two, three more seasons at Benfica. I want to see all these young kids stay into their 20s. This thing of selling players before they've even hit their peak, it's infuriating. I mean, how are we ever going to compete in Europe if we keep selling our best players and then it's great because we make room for more young players to come through, but you can't compete in Europe with with, with a U22 team or a U23 team. Um, so we'll see how that plays out, but I really want to see Samadhi stay with this team, especially the way he's playing right now. This is the best that he has played since his first season back when George Zouge was the coach. Um, fantastic run of form. He was... He was Tremendous in this game on Sunday. We're going to get into the game right now, okay? It was round 26, Liga Nage. Befica away to Moreirense. Uh, the match, uh, if you're watching on Goal TV, or if you watched, I should say, as I did, you had Alejandro Figueredo and Omar Fuentes once again. And uh, another good job by that pair. They uh, They know this league pretty well, and... Make very good points. They gave, they started off by giving a background of the midweek result in the Europa League, informing those you know those of those that don't follow the the team as closely that uh, Benfica advanced in the Europa League midweek, winning three nil um, in extra time to get by Dinamo Zagreb. Um, Benfica. There was a lot of concerns for Benfica coming into this game, and I voiced them last week. Were they going to have legs? Were they going to have the strength? Uh, were they going to be able to mount the kind of effort it was going to take to go beat the the club that uh, you know Bruno Lage called the sensation, the the epica, the sensation of the season in the Portuguese league, fifth place, Moreirens at the time of the kickoff. Um, Bruno Lage versus. Uh, Ivo Vieira, two young Portuguese coaches that are highly touted. Um, we're going to get right into the lineups here. I'm going to start with the home side with Moreirense. They lined up in a 4-4-2 with Pedro Trigueira in goal. The right back was João Aurelio. Rafik Halenich was the center back along with uh, the sporting player on loan or the player on loan from sporting, Ivanildo Fernandes. Gotta wonder if there was a Melita waiting in his uh in his locker had the had his side been able to take points off Benfica. Bruno Silva was the left back. Um in the midfield, Arsenio was the right outside mid. Fabio Pacheco and Angelo Neto were the pair 
in central midfield while Pedro Nunu ran down the left flank. Up front was Bilel and Chiquinho. Chiquinho, a player rumored rumored to be potentially on his way back to Benfica. We sold him, uh, or we sold, I should say, we sold 50% of his rights to Moreirense this season. We still own the other 50%, and the rumor is that Benfica are going to buy back the 50% they sold. Um, possibly as a João Felix replacement, I could see that happening. Um and the other forward, like I said, was uh, the, I believe he's Algerian, Bilel. Befica also in a 4-4-2 for this one. Odi in goal. Uh, the right back was André Almeida. Ruben Dias and Fehu were the center back pairing again. And Grimaldo was the left back, as usual. Across the midfield, uh, back to what has been a, our normal midfield for the past uh, several weeks. Rafa on the left side of midfield with Gabriel and Samaric playing in that double pivot uh, in the middle of the double pivot. And Pizzi on the right side with the, the, with the forward tandem of Jonas and João Felix. Uh, Jonas uh, again starting in place of the injured Seferovic. Okay, so that is the starting lineups. Befica again in a 4-4-2 as is Morenes. If anyone thought Moreres was coming out here to uh, to park it, uh, you were wrong. Moreres made an attempt to play, uh, perhaps leaving themselves a little more open than they would have liked and allowing Benfica a little bit more of the, the creative uh, control of the match. We're going to bring up the ticker right now and go through the minute by minute and... We're going to start at the beginning of the match here. If you hold on for just a second as the match kicks off. And right away, we're going to go right to the right to the sixth, the third minute, excuse me. And an absolutely ugly, ugly, ugly foul from Juan Elio on Grimaldo. I mean, he could have broken his ankle. He comes down and stamps right on the inside of, of Grimaldo's plant leg. Right on his ankle. Um, you know, Grimaldo's lucky not to break his ankle on that play. There, There's really no place for that. It, perhaps it was an accident, but the referee did not even give a, a caution, not even a booking for that play. Um, really, really not ex- unacceptable refereeing by the referee in this match. I'm not even going to mention his name today because I'm done talking about referees and they don't, you know, really I think we should stop mentioning their names when they put in these kinds of performances, but um it was just it not even a yellow. This the, that, that was a if if Moreira, if Maritimo the day before is getting a red card for what their player was sent off for? Come on, this is a hundred times worse. This this could have caused injury. Um, this was an ugly, ugly challenge. And the worst part, not even a yellow card. So two minutes later, what does Schwarzel you do? He fouls Samadish. Another day, finally sees a yellow card. He should have been at. He should have been in the showers already. I mean, it was ugly. A minute later, another foul from Bilal. At the beginning, you know, uh, Moreres was really, really uh, fouling hard. The eighth minute, another foul. It was Ivanildo. Um, João Felix won that free kick off Ivanildo, but the attempt was missed as uh, 
shortly thereafter. Rafa with the right-footed shot from the left side of the box was close, but it missed left. Samadis found him, but Befica's, you know, Befica's starting well. Early on, PZ had a great chance if we backtrack a little bit. It was uh, all the way back in the second minute, actually, where PZ was played in by Rafa. Beautiful ball, but uh, he just mishit it. He misjudged uh, the bend on the ball. The ball didn't bend, so it didn't go into the upper uh, upper right-hand corner to PZ's right side, the goalkeeper's left. Uh, I think he was trying to bend it around the keeper and tuck it in that top corner. And the ball never bent, so it went wide. Um, Pir, uh, Gabriel Pirsch, Gabriel as we, we know him, goes down with an injury in the 12th minute. He was okay. He stayed on the field. Um, Befica got a few fouls in there too. Andre Almeida with two within a minute. One on Ivanildo, the other on Bilal. Um, Jean Aurelio missed a, a, an opportunity with his left foot for Morinense. A shot from outside the box. Missed to the left. Um, not sure what minute it came up, but there was, okay, it was the offside. It was the 21st minute, and Odie, man, Odie saves Vlakodimus. This is like an identical play. It wasn't from a dead ball this time, but it was the identical uh, ball that beat him on Monday night against Bolognese. It got by him again. There's no debate. The debate has been on Twitter, on the podcasts, on social media all week about whether or not that ball even went in. The camera cut away. didn't allow you to see it, but I've now seen the angles. That ball was in the goal. Uh, fortunately for Benfica, Arsenio was offside, uh, nulling the goal. It, the referee blew it dead. Um, but again, Odie was letting the ball go wide. He did not control it the way he should have. Coming from almost the same exact spot, same kind of ball, bouncing, uh, driven on a on a bend. It with eyes found its way into the goal, but fortunately no goal as it was offside. We had a goal earlier also for Befica called back for offside. I'm jumping around a little out of order, as uh, actually no, it was after that play where where Jonas put the ball in 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 the goal. Um, However, PZ was caught offside after finding Jonas open. Um, the once again, the the VAR goes against Benfica, and uh, this time, rightfully so, it looked like the player was offside. However, this stadium, okay, I have to mention this, and this is why I have, I haven't, I had and have concerns about implementing VAR. Because I've always appreciated how our sport, as opposed to the others, was the same at every level. Okay, the game being played, you know, 500 yards down the uh, down the street from me in the park between two adult teams is the same exact game with the same exact rules they're playing with in a World Cup final until now. Now we've introduced VAR. VAR is not possible everywhere. VAR works great in Stadio do Stadio de Luz, Stadio de Dragão, Stadio Avalade in Guimarães, in Braga, where the stadiums are are designed and equipped to have this many cameras, the amount of cameras you need for this. Moreirense, you know, uh, this stadium here in Moreira dos Conegros did not have the conditions or it was not suited for the camera. The camera angles were terrible. 
They were absolutely terrible for the, th these VAR decisions. Even the match, I mean, this was weird. This, this, watching this game was really hard to analyze because you're watching from almost from a ground level. It was really weird. It was almost like uh, when little kids play or when I was playing as a kid and uh, my father would have the video camera rolling when we play on in parks where there's no stands and there's and the camera is at field level it, it felt like that the whole game there was only a couple cameras you know some zoom ins but when the, when the hard camera was on and panned out it was really uh, very hard to see to see uh, the line uh, to see the way the the teams were lining up it was hard to see uh the positioning of the players it was um very hard to follow anything but the ball. The way that the match was filmed, and that was due to the size of the stadium. And um, th again, this is a con this is a concern I've had about VAR is when you get into a location like this. You know, in, in England, for example, in the FA Cup, they decided which this is an even dumber rule than it. I thought we had stupid rules in Portugal. This one's dumb. Only the Premier League stadiums in the FA Cup will be equipped for VAR. Therefore, we had quarterfinals last week. Okay, Manchester United is playing away to Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton is in the Premier League. That means there's VAR. Manchester City is away to Swansea. Swansea plays in the championship. No VAR. Swansea loses potentially because there was no VAR. They had a clean third goal that was not allowed because the referee could not check the VAR. But in the same round of the same competition, goals are being annulled. Rightfully so, but still, being an older, penalties given due to having VAR just because that team's home stadium, that team is located or placed in the top level of English football. Portugal has a lot of stupid rules, and we don't even have something that stupid. How can you, in any competition, have different rules for different sites? Perhaps what happened in this game is a reason, but um, what really needs to happen, I think if VAR is going to work and the leagues are going to have to invest in this, and a few years back here in Major League Soccer in the United States, or in North America, I should say, the final pl being played in Toronto, Toronto versus, versus uh, Seattle, one of Toronto's goals, I believe it was the second one, in a 2-0 win in that MLS Cup final in which Toronto won the title, um, the goal was verified by VAR, and the VAR was a drone angle above. That is the best angle to to get um, VAR when it's too close to call. A drone flying high enough to not you know interfere in the play, but with a video camera and somebody controlling that. That's more useful than the four the four referees, you know ridiculously dressed in uniform in the in the VAR booth watching, you know, the same thing. If one of them's controlling a drone that is keeping an overhead view, I think you're going to have a much better product in VAR. But we're going to move ahead because the game didn't end there, obviously. We had a lot to go. Shortly thereafter, Benfica would finally uh, cement a goal. It would come in the 36th minute. Uh, João Felix with a beautiful right-footed shot from the top of the box. Top right corner, um, according to FootMob, I would say it was a little bit more central than that. It was a brilliant assist from from Grimaldo. Our rivals are going to cry and say that this is an offside. Again, I've seen enough tweets and enough posted images of Jean-Felix, presumably, or 
what appeared to be standing offside. Again, this camera angles were poor. This the camera angles sucked. Okay, there was no. These cameras were not in line with the last man. Of course, our rivals in the media are gonna take that to talk about a Colinho, right? Yeah, Colinho. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The camera is in front. You know, is between. Is between. You know the lines. It's not in line with the last man. There's no way to tell. But if you go by, as I've heard, if you go by the lines on the field, the the, the way the field was mowed, you can see João Felix onside, not offside. If you follow that line, okay, he is onside. He is in line with the with the player. I'm telling you, with this far, um, they have to simplify. They have to. Rewrite some of these offside rules. There has to be a clear designation when it's too close to call who has the advantage. There's belief that it goes to the the attacker, but it's not always called that way. There needs to be a mandate coming down from FIFA and UEFA, CONCACAF, Ball, you know, the AFC, uh, CAN, all of the confederations need to come down with a VAR protocol. Clearly define offside once and for all. Clearly define handballs once and for all. I think if you're going to use VAR, the idea that it has to be intentional has to be thrown out the door because a video cannot judge intent. All it judges is that whether or not the ball hits the hand or not. I've said this before. The rule should be if the ball hits your hand, intentional or not, handball, it's a free kick. It's going to happen a lot more, but it's going to happen to everybody and it's going to even itself out. That's the way I think that this should be, you know, this VAR should be implemented. If you're going to use it, it, the rules have to be more objective and less subjective. 39th minute, Shikinu wins a free kick uh, on a foul from Gabriel, but that free kick was missed. Netu took it uh, right-footed from outside the box, but it was put over the, it was, yeah, put over the bar. Um... In the 41st minute, Ivanildo concedes a needless uh, a needless corner. And Ivanildo's having a tough day. The Jean-Felix goal was, you know, a lot to put on him. Uh, he, he misplayed the ball, playing it on his weaker foot, it looked like. And he just misplayed it, allowing, allowing Felix to walk in. And Felix, going back to that first goal, doesn't get enough credit for the simple things he does. Um... He's got a little jinga in his play, even though he's very simple with the play. He can be very simple. He uh, he lets the ball do the work, but the way he positioned his body and the way he moved his body, opened his hips, so that he was receiving that ball right on his shooting foot. With one touch, he played it into space in front of him, perfectly for him to hit it into the goal. Um, Ivanildo again with a, with a mistake here, giving away a, a corner, and... Um, uh, the first corner gets uh, gets defended, and Neto plays it out for another corner. But it is on that corner, the bit you heard at the beginning of this segment, a corner by PZ finds Andreas Samaric with the header, two to nil. But if you could um, give themselves some breathing room right before the half, let's go to the second half. All right. Um, a substitution for Morirense at halftime. Anthony D'Alberto comes on. Bruno Silva is off. Also, Fabio Pacheco comes off for Ibrahima. 
two substitutions, a double substitution at halftime for Ivo Vieta. Trying to be ambitious, trying to go after it. But two minutes into the half, the Energizer Bunny strikes again. He was called the Energizer Bunny this week on uh, on the Cassette Vermelha podcast. Uh, they said that Energizer should get rid of the bunny and should implement Rafa as their spokesperson in there. Because this guy, in the last three weeks, has just been going and going and going and going. And this is another great hard-earned goal. A ball from Jonas. He played a through ball in. Rafa gets to it. Gets just enough on it to get it by uh, Trigueira. And the ball finds its way into the goal. It's 3-0 to Benfica. And the three points now seem almost certain to the Benficistas. Um, Benfica in complete control throughout the second half. I don't really have to go through the minute by minute as Benfica would control it. We'd have a substitution again for... For Morirense in the 59th minute, Nene comes on for Arsenio. Um, Ivanildo finally yellow carded in the 62nd minute after several challenges, several tackles that were deemed fouls. Benfica with their first substitution in the 71st minute. Bruno Lage brings on Jetson, replacing Pizzi. Pizzi also a lot of minutes this week. Um, given a much-earned break, 20 minutes before time. Uh, but Fika's still in control. There's really no um, individual instances to hit on. Uh, we get another substitution now, 77th minute. Florentino comes off, Gabri- comes on, excuse me, replaces Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel gets a good ovation from the Benficistas. Florentino comes on, and uh, a corner kick is conceded in the 79th by Samadish, but uh, the the attempt is missed. Even Ildu with the right footed with the right footed shot from the center of the box misses uh, to the right following that corner, and another corner conceded by Even Ildu. Not his day. <laughs> the young Sporting uh, prospect um, leads to a corner. The corner is taken. Who took this corner? It doesn't say here who took it, but. Moral of the story is it it comes down in the box. Uh, is unable to clear it, and Florentino gets a foot on it and puts it in the roof of the net. 4-0 Benfica at this point. Florentino with his first ever Liga Nage goal. Uh, the young young midfielder who has been an absolute uh, break breakout player in this uh, second half of the season thus far. Starlet early in the season in the second division for Benfica B. And Franco Cervi comes on in the 84th minute for Jonas. Jonas comes off to an ovation. He's played a lot of minutes in that uh, seven-day period as well, or six-day period, however, yeah, six-day period, Monday, Thursday, Sunday. A lot of minutes for Jonas coming back from an injury. Fortunately, he uh, he was up to it. He held up well, and now hopefully this rest will do him good. Uh, hopefully we'll have him and Seferovic healthy when the team returns to play in a week's time. Um, a yellow card to Bilal in the 89th minute. The match ends 4-0. Not much else to talk to talk about in the in the minute by minute. Let's go to the stats. We haven't done stats in a few weeks. And uh, I'll hit the stats here. Ball possession was Benfica's 56 to Moreirense's 44. With total shots, actually, Moreirense... With uh, the edge having forced 11 shots, um, a lot of them 
uh, not dangerous, however. Um, seven of them off target. But if you go with nine shots and four of them off target, uh, accurate passes. Morenza 299 accurate passes to Benfica's 374. Morenza's percentage of success was 84%. Well, Benfica had 81% um, of success in the in passes attempted. The foul total, 17 for Morenense to 10 for Benfica. Four corners for Morenense, six for Benfica. Each team was offside two times each. Like I said, Benfica had four shots on target. Morenense, three. Neither team hit the woodwork. Each team had one shot blocked. Um, go through the player ratings for this one. We also haven't done this in a few matches. And like I said, the man of the match in this one was Andreas Samadis with an 8.8 .8 rating on on Footmob. Uh, also, very good rating for Grimaldo, 8.3, despite nearly, you know, looking like he was going to come off injured early on. Uh, other high ratings, 7.9 for Rafa, 7.6 for João Felix, 7.7 .7 for Gabriel, Pizzi is 7.0, Vlakodimic with a 7.3. As far as Morirens goes, uh, everybody is in the sixes and below. Chiquinho, their best player with a 6.8. Um, worked hard. Uh, doesn't look like he has quite the support uh, to really show himself to his full potential against a team the quality of Benfica's. But again, if it is in fact uh, true that João Felix would be sold at the end of the season, and Hui Costa hinted as much in Ebola today, I believe it was, saying that uh, he was asked about the comparisons between him and João Félix. And he said, and even Kaká, João Félix being compared to Kaká. If you remember, uh, Rui Costa was a mentor for Kaká at AC Milan when he was playing. Um, the, he said he's not the next Rui Costa or Kaká. He is Félix. He is his own man. And then he says that he has to admit that it's going to be very difficult to keep the player. Um with that $120 million exit clause, hopefully that thing gets bumped up. So if he goes, um, I could see I could see Shikinu possibly be fitting in that role. Um, but again, it, like I said, if if he goes, there is no excuse for letting Samadish leave. You have the money then to keep Samadish, uh, keep Samadish, Florentine, and Fasia if you want to for that position. Uh, as long as all three of them are willing to to to, uh, to be in that situation, because the fact of the matter is, Fasia is going to be off and on. He didn't even dress for this game. Understandably, he played three days earlier and for 120 minutes after a three month uh, layoff. So we'll see what we'll see who's in this uniform next year. But we really got to focus on the on this year and on this next game at at hand against Tondela. Uh, But yeah, hashtag Hanova Samadis. I'm not. I can't say it enough. I know not everybody agrees with that uh, between fans and pundits alike. But but I I am on team hashtag Samadis. Uh, hashtag Hanova Samadis. Let's keep this guy here. He he's valuable. He's only 29 years old in his position. That's still very young. Week he could be a guy to go on to play for Benfica for many seasons. Um, and. Especially with with the sharks around wanting wanting to to buy up Florentino on his potential, um, 
should an offer come in that's irresistible for Florentino. Samaric is not going to get that kind of offer at 29 years old. I say keep him. He'll be solid. We, we've got three or four good seasons left in him, I think, for sure. Especially, uh, he's an intelligent player. He can he can adapt his game as he ages. And he is, a I think, a future captain if... Uh, you know, if Andre Almeida ever ever leaves the club, I think Almeida is going to be a long, long-serving captain because uh, Jardel, Jardel is coming towards the end. Almeida is not that old, so I could see Almeida playing several more seasons, um, especially if Benfica are not going to spend money <laughs> at the right-back position, which they have not done since selling Nelson Smith. Um but all in all, a very good performance from Benfica. A good message to the rest of the league that we have eight finals to go. Let's let's go through the the standings real quick. Um, at the end of twenty six rounds, Benfica are top with sixty three points on head to head over Porto, who also have sixty three points. Braga sitting five back in third on fifty eight points, and I said, don't sleep on Braga. They uh, they are very much still in this race. Sporting, according to this, is at 55, three back. I was pretty positive that they were even with Braga. I could be wrong on that. Um, let me double check on another website, and I will get back to you on that. But in fifth, it's definitely it's now a, a tie with the head with the the tiebreaker. Going to Vitori Guimarães on 42 points. Morinés sixth on 42 as well. Bulinish Sad. Our 7th, 38 points. Santa Clara, our 8th, 32. Rio Ave also on 32. And Portimonense as well. All three of them on 32, taking up 8, 9, and 10. In the standings, Maritimo on 27 in 11th. Desportivo das Aves, 26 points in 12th. As well as Boavista and Nacional also um, with 26 points. Vitoria Stubal. And Tondela even on 25 points in 15th and 16th, while Shavj has 24. And in the basement in last place is Ferenc with 15. Again, look certain uh, for the drop. However, exciting races building up here. It's not just the title race, which still, in my opinion, has four teams in it. Um, the race for fifth place in that Europa League spot, four points separating three teams. Uh, Vitória Guimarães, Moreirense, and Bolonenses. Um, and then, that down in the drop, you've got, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams separated by two points. Uh, any one of these teams, and actually seven by three points. Even Maritimo is not safe right now. On 27 points, they're only two points above the line, despite being five spaces above um this one's gonna go right down to the wire uh i think all these races are gonna go right down to the wire uh i got some commentary for you um it's gonna play right after this ad we're gonna listen to a little bit um the opening comment of bruno Lige's uh post-game press conference i'll uh give my take on that and we'll wrap this thing up on the other side of this break stay right there Resposta nenhuma, nós não temos que responder a ninguém. Nós temos é que fazer o nosso jogo e acho que é isso que fizemos. Um grande jogo do princípio ao fim, sempre a melhor equipa, criámos várias oportunidades e sendo assim daquilo que foi 
uh, o volume do nosso jogo ofensivo, uh, penso que é um resultado justo numa, numa grande partida. E foi isso que nós fizemos. Uh, uh, Apresentarmos-nos muito bem, porque só, como disse na divisão, só apresentamos muito bem e a top é que podíamos vencer aquela que eu, na minha opinião, considero a equipa sensação do campeonato. And there's the manager, Bruno Lage. Uh, well said there uh, by the manager. Um, he was that the question before he began speaking was um, from the reporter asking about if this was a good response to Porto's victory and taking back first place and this and that. And uh, I think you could see you can see Bruno Lage starting to get annoyed with getting asked the same questions over and over and over again every match. And uh, uh, he said that they don't, he doesn't have to respond to anybody. He says they played their game and they won their game. It wasn't in response to any other team. What I like about this coach, what I like about Bruno Lage. I like a lot of things about Bruno Lage, no, no, uh, no secret there. But um, this is something of uh, about him that I really, I really admire is that he really, really keeps the focus on what he can control. This guy does not get caught up in what's outside of his control. It's so hard as a manager to be able to to not get caught up in what the other team is doing, not get caught up in the referees, in the, the VAR, in the, the processes that are going on off the field, you know, um, the scandal, the accusations that the other clubs make. And, the, you know, he stays steady and streamlined, focused on what he can and his players can control. All right, he keeps them focused, and I think that's why they're playing so well. That's another main reason this team is playing so well. They're focused on what they can control and not on what is outside of their control. Um, they can't control the schedule. Can't control that the league puts Benfica playing after Porto week after week after week after week. Can't control that, you know, they have to play Monday and Thursday so many times while Porto gets to play on the weekend. Here we have the 30th. A, a week where there's no Europe and there's uh, no reason why Benfica couldn't play first this week in in the name of fair competition and of you know evening out you know who plays first and whether there and he gets asked every time if there's an advantage playing first Samadish in the bit you heard was asked the same thing and um, both of them you know you can see that the players are taking the example of the manager. And that's why this Bruno Lage is is so good. He he's not just talking. He's not just a yes man. He's not just you know saying what's politically correct. He he is genuine. He's honest. He's saying the truth. He's talking about what's going on, what they need to do, what they are doing, what they can't waste their time worrying about. Um before we go, I want to just remind everybody next week there will be Another episode of Mr. Befica. Um, they don't play this week, but we've got two matches to 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 preview next week. Plus, we got a match from way back to go back and look at in the time machine, so that we can get ready for the second leg of the Taça de Portugal. Um, second leg. Also, this coming Sunday, I don't know if it's televised. I don't know where it can be found, but uh, keep an eye uh, to to the internet. 
um, if it's not on television. I don't believe it's on BTV because it's a Tasa game. But the Benfica women are playing in the first leg of the Tasa Portugal semi-final at home against Braga. Okay, Braga are the favorites now to win the competition. Uh, Sporting are out. Sporting are the defending cup holders and uh, first division champions. Braga are now the favorites to win this competition. Uh, they're the only thing that stand between Benfica and a trip to the Jamor. Benfica in the second division, remember, in women's football. But this is a big chance to really prove themselves. Um, I'm very interested in what's going to happen. I'm hoping I can find a stream. I'm hoping it would be great if RTP aired it. I don't know if they will. Um, but I will be looking for it Sunday. Also, this Sunday, keep an eye on your Twitter. And, and here's why. Um, f- follow me. Follow Benfica After 90. Sometimes Sunday afternoon. Okay, late afternoon here on the East Coast. Early afternoon on the West. Um, keep an eye to my Twitter. To their Twitter. Okay. And I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be talking to the guys from Benfica After 90 this weekend, all right? Uh, Mr. Benfica is going to make an appearance on their Benfiquistas Worldwide Series. Uh, we're going to talk about this project. We're going to talk more about my background. You're going to get to know more about me, okay? Um, and about my Benfiquismo, okay? Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you guys, if uh, you can follow Benfica After 90 on Twitter... Go to their YouTube channel and subscribe, and you will see uh, you will see the conversation I have with them once we uh, once we record it this weekend. Okay, so keep an eye to that. Also, guys, with with no Benfica game this weekend, I know I'm always recommending other podcasts, recommending other forms of media. I can't go go this week without telling you this. Okay. Take the time this week, if you understand Portuguese, I tweeted this out, if you understand Portuguese, take the time to locate this the following podcast. It's called Som das Torcidas, S-O-M, space D-A-S, space T-O-R, C-I-D-A-S, Torcidas, Som das Torcidas, it's a Brazilian podcast about fans about uh fan culture in the world the episode there that i that i um that i tweeted it's it's like um it's one or two episodes down in their feed now if you get to their their feed um it's episode 155 benfica they feature benfica they have a great guest uh sergio Ingracia. Okay, um, representing Benfica, explains the history of Benfica, explains the history of the claques, okay, or the Brazilian word torcidas, we call them claques in Portugal, um, no name boys, Diablos Vermelhos, okay, he explains where they came from, he explains how uh, the differences between them, okay, um, culturally as well as um organizationally and he also explains where the name Benfica comes from he explains why the eagle is the symbol he explains where the colors of the club come from this is something that heck I learned a lot about about our club from listening to this it was mind-blowing uh they play they play some of the original music that inspired the chants that we all hear week after week after week and um 
it's just it's a phenomenal episode. I know I'm saying I'm saying I'm talking about phenomenal episodes of some podcast or other every week, but that I do feel that's part of uh, of what I want to bring to this podcast is I want to also promote others because when someone's doing a good job, I want it promoted. I want to promote it for them. I want every Benfiquista to access and consume quality Benfica content. Okay, so go to that, download that podcast. If it's on iTunes, give it the stars. It's fantastic. Out of this world. Som Torcidas. Also, this week, get the episode of Cassette Vermelha. Okay, and here's why. Very special guest at the end of the show in the last half hour. Friend of this show, Amador is on there. Amador from Simply Benfica. He gives his background and his... Uh, some of his, you know, knowledge. They talk about some of the other sports too, which is interesting. They talk about, you know, the club's in a little bit of a crisis in the Mundialidades right now. Uh, last year, five out of five, as they said, no, no championships. This year, three out of five are already, you know, it's been a throwaway year for basketball, throwaway year for, uh, for hockey and patins especially, futsal with their struggles. Um, volleyball just won the, the Taça de Portugal, but the, um, aside from that, there are struggles in the modalidades. They talk about that. I think it's a real interesting conversation. He also talks about, you know, how it's like to be a Benfica in the Azores. And I know a lot of my listeners are from Massachusetts, and a lot of them in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. A lot of them are Azorian, Canada as well, Canadian Azorians. Um, he talks about how, you know, it's interesting. He talks about how we're, we talk about being abroad and uh, not being able to go to games and how we support this team and how hard it can be from a distance. And he, he makes a great point. He goes, in the in the Azores, we're still in Portugal, yet we're just as far away as the people abroad, if not further. You know, and he, really cool perspective. I recommend it to everybody. That's Cassette Vermelha. Okay, you can find it uh, on Google Play, on Google Podcasts. That's where I find it. I think it's also available on, on several other platforms. Um, Cassette Vermelha and Som das Torcidas. Check out those shows this week. Um, and don't forget, Benfica after 90, after every match. Um, and go ahead and, and go to their YouTube channel. Watch some of the other uh, Benficistas worldwide. And you can get an idea of what my conversation with them will sound like this coming weekend. Um, again, good luck to the ladies on Sunday. Let's let's get a good result. Let's uh, go to Braga um, ahead in the tie and book our place in the Jamur. And um, let's hope all our players get back from international duty um, 100% healthy. I'm not going to lie... Uh, the Portugal fan in me was aggravated by what Fernando Sanchez put out to start the game today, but the Benfiquista in me was like, yes. <laughs> no no Pizzi, no João Félix. They got some rest. Rafa played, but he came on as a substitution. As a substitute, I should say. Um, Ruben Dias played the whole game, but that's that's fine. Um, so, very happy um, on that, in that note. And you won't hear me say that on Mr. Portugal, because it I will not be bringing any clubismo into Mr. Portugal. I'll be completely a national team. Um, I'll be bringing it from, or attempting to bring it from the perspective of the national team manager, as I've attempted to to give you the perspective of Bruno Lage these last 
six weeks now, uh, I'm going to try to get into the mind of Fernando Santos and, and uh, give you some perspective uh, after I've seen both of these matches. So stay tuned to our social media, at Benfica Mister on Twitter. It's at Mr. Benfica on Instagram and Mr. Benfica on Facebook. Just search for it. Okay. Go there. Give us a like if you haven't already. Um, DM me any questions if you want. I'm always up for it. Uh, you can inbox me on Facebook. Um, you can also inbox me on my personal Facebook and my name, Mike Agustino, M I K E, space A G O S T I N H O. All right, you can find me, friend request me. It's cool. Uh, I'm uh, I'm cool with that. Um, anything, any feedback you guys have, I'm always happy to hear it. Um, do you like the music? Do you not like the the music? Do you like the sound bites? Um, any any feedback? Let me know. Okay. Uh, I just want to create content that can be enjoyed by all the Benficistas. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna call it call it a night early tonight. I will, uh, I will see you later on next week, and I hope everyone has a good week. Força Benfica, carrega Benfica, damu 37. Peace. Há aqui uma coisa que é muito que é muito fácil e é muito fácil é fácil de compreender que é o seguinte jogar jogar na equipa do Benfica é muito fácil tem que ter duas coisas primeiro treinar a mim treinar com uma intensidade muito alta e segundo quando tiverem oportunidades ter rendimento é só isto por isso as oportunidades dependem do é dos jogadores e do que eles podem fazer no treino a mim e ter rendimento no jogo. Por um dia, pelo menos, adepto do Braga, tendo em conta o embate que vão ter com o Porto e a importância que pode vir a ter no, no, no campeonato esse jogo. E se, por outro lado, também pensando que o Benfica irá defrontar ainda o Sporting para a Taça dentro de alguns dias, se isso vai condicionar as escolhas para o jogo com o Tondela? Olha, é um, é um duplo não. Adepto do Benfica, foi, foi, foi olhar para dentro e olhar para nós e para aquilo que nós podemos fazer em campo que nos chegou a esta posição e depois é a nossa, a nossa maneira de estar, é jogo a jogo nós, nós temos três pontos muito importantes para conquistar amanhã e depois não vamos ter tempo para, para preparar o outro jogo
What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome back. Welcome back from the international break. And welcome to episode 7 of Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino here with you for another week where we talk Benfica. Uh, finally finally got over that that international break. I thought it was never going to end, man. Um, you know, as much as I support... Portugal's national team, and as much as I like following, it's just not the same, man. Uh, international soccer is just not the same. Um, the club game is just a uh, far superior product right now. There's no question about it. It's uh, it's quite superior. It, the The play is better. The players have more chemistry. National teams come together for a day or two and then jump on the field and play games. Uh, I know in other eras, the world... And I mean, the final tournaments actually still are very, very good. And I'm a huge fan of the final tournaments. And, you know, the the Euro, the World Cup, the, the Copa America, things like that are still very, very good tournaments. But uh, the, these qualifiers in the middle of the season, especially here at the tail end as we're about to go on the home stretch, every year I'm less and less a fan of these and... Um, I'm not going to really talk about it because I'm going to save that for the Mr. Portugal podcast, which I'll have more details on before the end of the show tonight. But Benfica, I'm glad to have them back. I am so glad to have them back. It was a long week without them. Um, For those of you that caught it, uh, I made an appearance last weekend on Benfiquistas Worldwide uh, as part of, it's a series that is also part of Benfica After 90. I uh, I was invited on by Mario and Alex there with Benfica After 90. We had a great conversation. I also learned that I uh, I need to brush up on my uh, my video skills. Those Any of you that watched it, uh, as the episode went on, I became more and more of a, a silhouette because I was in my basement and uh, recording through my phone. And as it, I had the lights on, but it got darker and darker as the night went on in here. And uh, as the sun went away, you could towards the end you couldn't even see me anymore. My apologies to the guys over on Big Peak After Ninety. Uh, it was it really looked amateur of me, and uh, <laughs> it. Uh, I hope it didn't take away too much from the conversation. I think we had a great conversation. We talked about a lot of great things. Um, if you tuned in, you got to hear who my favorite Benfica player of all time is. Who, uh, what my favorite Benfica kit of all time is. I, I, I gave that information out. It, it was really, it was just awesome. I gave some stories of of my experiences with Benfica. I'm not going to spill any of it here. You're going to have to go and watch that episode. It's up on the Benfica After 90 YouTube channel. Okay, go in there and, um. You can find it there. It's the episode where if you 
you look for Mr. Benfica, aka or Mike, aka Mr. Benfica. You will find it there. I think it was one of the best soccer conversations I've had. Um, for sure, the best recorded conversation I've ever had, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And I, I really could have talked to those guys for hours. I mean, it really could have could have gone on for hours. So uh, big thank you to those guys for having me on. Um, very very good show that they've got there. Um, I also just wanted to hit on a couple things. Uh, for those of you that are interested, like I said, my Mr. Portugal podcast is going to uh, it's going to be uploaded on my Parking the Bus channel on Podbean, okay? You're not going to find it in the Mr. Benfica feed on iTunes or on Google Play or any anywhere else. It's going to be on my specific channel that I'm building on Podbean, okay? And eventually that's where I'm going to have all of my stuff in one place um working towards that, but but I'm going to be recording that show as soon as I'm done recording this one. It's going to be a late Friday night. Here in uh, in central Massachusetts, here in Worcester County, but I'm I'm going to be at it all night because I, I want to get this content out there. Uh, I've got a lot to say about about the international uh, break. I've got a lot to say about Portuguese national team that I'm going to say for that. Um, as far as Benfica goes, what a week we've had without any games. <laughs> I mean, even without playing, Benfica has been in the headlines this week. Um, we'll we'll hit some of that in the news segment when we hit the news. But um, it's yeah, it's been a great week, and for those of you that uh, heard, and we'll talk about it some more. Um, very excited for obviously all of the listeners here in North America because Benfica are on their way back to North America. We talked about it a little bit last week, but it was made official this week, just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, announcing Benfica will be playing in three locations in North America this summer. They're going to play at Levi's Stadium out in Northern California, home of the San Francisco 49ers and Santa Clara, California against Chivas, Guadalajara. Um, then with the midweek stop down at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, Benfica will play Roma before they finish up right up here in my backyard at Gillette Stadium against AC Milan. Okay, so very, very excited to get Benfica here in our neck of the woods again. Um, gonna have to do something special podcast wise uh, and some other some other social media content. I'm gonna have to put some stuff some good stuff together for everybody when Benfica are right here in my backyard. Uh, hopefully, I can get to to both East Coast games. That's the plan right now. Hopefully, the the wife uh, gives me the permission slip to go ahead and, and make that midweek trip down to Jersey and to catch that game against Roma as well. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I am hopeful to uh, to get up close and see some some. Uh, I really want to see Bruno Lage coach up close. I, that's where I'd really be excited to see the instructions he shouts. Um, probably won't be able to hear him, but I'd love to get close enough to hear him. Um, really excited because you know. Uh, Red Bull Arena is like a mini Stadio de Luz. We made it that last summer. I want to see that again. I'm excited for that. A little more skeptical about about Gillette Stadium. I'll, I'll get into why, why that is a little bit later on when we hit the news, all right? So why don't you guys sit right back. We're going to pay a couple bills here and then sit tight because we got Reconquista on the way followed by the news. 
And this week in the news around Benfico Nation, we have uh, we had a historic a historic uh, result this past Sunday. Of course, not for the right reasons. Benfica's women's team has lost for the first time ever. Let that sink in for a while. All right, it's March. It's the end of March, two thousand nineteen. The season started in September, and Benfica's team, Benfica's women's team, has lost their first ever match. Uh, as the Lady Aguias fell 2-1 to one in the first leg of the Taça de Portugal, Portuguese Cup semifinals, at home, at, I put that in air quotes, home, at the Tapadeira, not really our home. Um, the team should be playing at Seixal, if not a game like this at the Stadio de Luz. I understand they weren't at the Stadio, there was no way they were going to be at the Stadio de Luz with the national team playing two games in four days at, at that stadium, at our stadium. Um, but really, this this should have been at the Seychelles. This is a first division professional team, and they should they should be they should have priority in the team's training center. And I hope that next year when uh, we're in the first division, that will be the case. But Benfica are not out yet, all right? The second leg is going to be April the 20th in Braga in the old Primeira de Mayo Stadium. Uh, hope to see a lot of Benficistas up north going into the stadium that day to support the ladies. All right, Have a chance to make real history, be a second division team that can book a, a ticket to the Jamor for the final. How how great would it be to see Benfica men and women in the in the Jamor this season? See both teams find their way to the, the cup final and and really, if Benfica get by Braga, there's no reason they can't they can't win. Braga are the league leaders, if I'm not mistaken, of the first division. They're the favorites to take this competition. They've knocked out defending champions and current cup holders, Sporting. So the fa- and Benfica were ahead. The girls were ahead. They were up. They scored first, and uh, you know there was a lot of surprisingly enough a lot of. Controversial refereeing is being reported by those that were there. Um, I didn't get a chance to see this game. I couldn't find it. I really wanted to. Um, I was unable to find it. But if anybody can tell me how I can get access to a ball of TV, okay, that's the network that that broadcasts the women's uh, Taça de Portugal. If someone knows where I can find a stream so that I can watch this second leg, I want to I wanna review this second leg the same way I review all of the, the men's matches every week. I They deserve that. It's the semifinals of the Portuguese Cup. They're a second division team taking on the league leaders from the first division. And they... I think even though they, they gave up what, two away goals, there's nothing to stop them from going to Braga and scoring two of their own. And now that they've played them, now that they know for sure, they're right there. They're right there with the best team in the country. Even though they're in the second division this year, they're right there with the best team in the country. I think the coach can make some adjustments. I think the players will make some adjustments. Uh, earlier this week, several, you know, a couple of, of Benfica's ladies were... were were called into the Brazilian national team. Benfica will be sending some women to the World Cup this summer. There's a good chance that Benfica will be represented for the first time ever at the Women's World Cup. This team is good. This team has a chance to do it. I hope I can get a stream. I I would love to watch this game, to break it down, and to talk about it um, on on the pod that week. So if anybody knows how I can get access to that... Feel free to hit me up with a with a direct a direct message a DM whether it's in Instagram at Mr Befica or on Twitter at Befica Mister 
or on my personal Facebook, go ahead and send me uh, an inbox, and it's Mike Agostino, M-I-K-E space, A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Let me know how I can get access to Ebola TV. I want to be able to watch the second leg when the time comes on April the 20th in about three weeks' time. So uh, I'll continue to follow that situation, and we'll have more um, about the women's team as as more news becomes available. And as I said at the top of the show, the International Champions Cup schedule was released yesterday in New York City. Louison was representing Benfica as the club's ambassador. And I got to give a shout out to all of my friends there on Twitter. I uh, shout out to Timo, shout out to to Carolina. Carolina, she was there. She took a picture with with uh with with Louison, I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, we had another another Benfica fan who finally got to kiss Louison's bald head. That was her goal going back, I think, to last season. She had a sign at Red Bull Arena, if I have the story correct, saying she wanted to kiss the bald head of Louison. Well, in New York City this week, she got up there and she did it. It made press around Portugal. It's in the bola. It's in record that's in all of the sports dailies. Um, Befica also picked it up and tweeted it. Pretty awesome. Check it out. Um, I believe her name's Stephanie, and that was pretty cool. A bunch of other people were there. Cristiano from the Befica podcast was there. A lot of people made their way to New York to, to catch that, that press conference and that unveiling. And uh, this International Champions Cup is turning into quite a big deal for a preseason tournament. It is uh, very, very professionally run by Relevant Sports here in the United States. I believe his name is Stephen Ross, who runs Relevant Sports. Um, Major League Soccer, I think, can take a bit of note on the professionalism of Relevant Sports and of the ICC. Major League Soccer's TV ratings are in the toilet this year, everyone. According to the World Soccer Podcast's Christopher Harris on uh, this week's episode, he his sources that he cites in the show cite, state that Major League Soccer's TV numbers are down 27% so far this season. Um, stadiums are not, attendance is not good. Stadium uh, attendance is down across the league outside of some of the hotbeds. Um, not even going to talk about, well, I guess I will have to talk about it when we get there about the team here. But, that's another talk for for another moment, but the ICC, yeah, they they're absolutely these. This unveiling was was it was almost like watching the draw for a major tournament, and I know that's what it was intended to be like. And a lot of money is thrown at this this preseason competition, and while it's not taken most seriously for it, the results on the field, it's becoming a very important branding and marketing event and I think that's why it's so important that Benfica are there every possible time that they can. Um, very excited that they're back for the second year in a row which means that it has to mean that that day at Red Bull Arena last year left an impression on the ICC when Benfica filled that stadium. Okay, There were just tiny little pockets of Juventus fans. The majority of it was red and Alfredo said it on 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 his his Red Bulls podcast. Um, if 
now I'm forgetting the name of his podcast. I listen to it every week, and I'm forgetting the name of it. But uh, <laughs> his New York Red Bulls podcast, Full of Bulls is what it's called, um, that he is he's actually the, the co-host. It's hosted by a guy with a really thick New York accent who is uh, who's pretty good himself. But uh, <laughs> he stated, you know, when Befica come to Red Bull, it's the only time that Red Bull Arena is full, which is a true statement. But um, very excited that they're going to be back. I want to see another mini Estadio de Luz. Super excited, though, for the West Coast Benficias. I tweeted this out when the news became official because my boy out there, who who I had a great conversation with on, on Benfica After 90, Alex out there in Northern California, he tweeted a picture. He was at, I believe, the Mexico game the night before, and it was announced there on the big screen. He picked, He took a photo, tweeted it out. Announcing Benfica versus Chivas Levi's Stadium July twentieth, if I'm not mistaken, is the date. And this is a huge opportunity for Benfica. Okay, and you know Alex, Mario, and myself had a had a good conversation at length about. Part of it was about the importance of integrating the English language and getting English. English exposure here in the United States for Benfica because they could expand even bigger than they are. And we we had a good talk about this. And uh, I've been saying, and I've said it on here, and I stand by it and will stand by it, that Benfica, at least for the home games that are produced or that are at least owned by by Benfica TV, by BitTV, should have an English-language partner. They used to have one a few seasons back, if you remember, Patrick Kendrick who uh, also frequently made some appearances on the Benfica podcast with uh, with uh, with Alfredo and Chris. He did the play-by-play for for the matches in English, and he was fantastic. Uh, for whatever reason, Benfica discontinued producing content in English or producing broadcasts in English. Um, I think that was a big mistake. I think it's still a mistake. They need to bring that back. Patrick's now at Inter Milan, but... Um, He's very good, very good, and and just like Andreas Samadi, he learned Portuguese within the the one season or two seasons he was there. Um, there's a clip on on YouTube if you ever want to see it. You put in his name Patrick Kendrick, and uh, speaking Portuguese or Patrick Kendrick falando português. Um, he's he's speaking with Heller Condut on BTV, and uh, very good good uh, piece. Um, it's very important that. Benfica sell a lot of tickets. Now, in California, against Chivas, that's going to be a tough one. Okay, I'm sure there are a lot of Benfica fans, but Chivas are huge, okay? According to Kardik Krishnayer in, uh, of the World Soccer Talk podcast and of also the Sports Business Journal, if I'm not mistaken, I could be, I could be uh, mistaking the name of the publication he writes for, but he states that he believes Chivas to be the most popular soccer team in the entire United States of America. Um, I would say that that's possible. If it's not Chivas, it's Club America. Those are the two, make no mistake about it, in the United States of America, those are the two most popular soccer teams. Okay, Mexican soccer is is way more watched and way more supported and has way more fans in the United States than even the English Premier League, okay? Manchester United, Barcelona don't hold a candle in this country 
to at least the number of total fans to Club America and Chivas Guadalajara. It, it, it's just a fact, and the TV numbers prove it, okay? When those two teams play on Urimision, they're not even on in English right now. The numbers are through the roof, okay? They they outdraw the, you know, or the viewers outnumber the viewers of the Premier League, the Champions League, the La Liga, which its TV situation is even, is a whole different conversation. But, these are well-supported teams, so there will be a huge, a huge crowd in Northern California for that game. Befica fans, do not wait. Get get on that pre-sale list, okay? Go to the ICC's website and sign up to be on the pre-sale list. Get your tickets fast, because if you don't, the Chivas fans will buy them up. Um, The Wednesday night game in New Jersey, I'm sure it will be a very pro-Benfica crowd. Roma have a very small following, if any, here in the United States. Um, despite their American owner, they really haven't caught on. Um, most Italians do not are not Inter fans. I mean, you'll get Italian fans that will go to the game and support them on the night because they're an Italian team. But most Italian fans are not Inter fans. They are either, you know, Juve... Inter, uh, did I say Inter? Most Italian fans are not Roma fans, excuse me. They are either Juve, Inter, or AC Milan fans for the most part. Or they're Napoli fans. There's a lot of Napoli fans as well. But very few Roma fans out there. And that was evidenced uh, up here in Gillette Stadium. A few years back, Juventus played Roma. And it was the crowd was either a Juvent, it was all either Juventus fans or neutrals. Um very few Roma fans, so I expect Benfica to do well, especially in Harrison. That's that's right in the heart of Portuguese America, like I said. And then the game that I'm I'm a little bit uh, concerned about is the one right here in my neck of the woods against AC Milan um, at Gillette Stadium. The last time Benfica came to Gillette Stadium, it was not a good turnout. They granted Benfica played the New England Revolution at the end of May, after the season had ended on a World Cup year. I think the World Cup had actually already begun, if I'm not mistaken. It was back in 2010, George Azusa's first season. Uh, they came up here and put a, a smacking, an absolute beatdown on the Revolution with Benfica's basically second stringers. A very small crowd that night. There was if if there were ten thousand, I'd have been surprised. It was a cold, rainy night, also. But Gillette Stadium just does not draw the soccer crowds. That other stadiums draw. Manchester United came to Gillette Stadium, drew 51,000. They they sell out everywhere else. There were still seats available for Manchester United at Gillette Stadium. All right. Portugal and Mexico drew over 50,000. Portugal, Brazil over 50,000. Um, but national teams are different because there are people that don't even like soccer that will go watch the Portuguese national team if they're in town. There's, a, there's plenty of... Uh, People that jump on at World Cup time, especially um, Portuguese people that don't necessarily follow soccer the rest of the year, but they get behind the national team when it comes time for a World Cup. So when the national team comes through your region just before a World Cup, it's much more likely that they're going to jump on board. This will be a little bit different. Um, another concern I have about it is that I'm assuming... And I, I wouldn't expect anything else, but that there will be a natural surface placed over the artificial surface at Gillette Stadium. Now, Gillette Stadium is artificial turf. Um, 
I can't imagine Benfica would be coming to play on artificial on an artificial field like they did last time against the Revolution. They got here and Georges Jesus was vocally not happy. Nobody told him the the pitch was synthetic, um, that it was it was field turf. Huge uh, risk playing on field turf. I'm sure they're gonna roll out the 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 sod, but that creates its own. Its own risk because that field has no roots. Okay, you see it all the time. You see the turf come up when they play on sod. You see it roll up. You see players get caught in it. Um, players fall everywhere. So, I have some concerns about that game. I have some concerns about the tickets. Um, ticket prices is something I'm concerned about. Um, I'm hoping the ICC does not price this thing through the roof and price Benficistas right out of right out of uh, buying these tickets. Um, AC Milan should be able to help Benfica drawing uh, people. I said this before. Um, when Benfica played two, three years ago, or the previous time before last, I, I've lost track of how many years ago it was, in East Hartford against Fiorentina. Fiorentina drew nobody except the casual or the odd uh, Italian soccer fan that was there to see an Italian team, but, you know, was a Juve fan or whatever. Um, Benfica sold the lower bowl of of the stadium in East Hartford. Again, a small crowd. I think it was 15,000 or something. I don't want to see that in gigantic, uh, gigantic Gillette Stadium. I don't expect it because I believe AC Milan are good for twenty to 25,000, and Benfica should be able to be good for twenty to 25,000. But, guys, if you want this team here, and I'm speaking, I apologize to those of you listening outside of the United States. I'm speaking to people here in North America. If you want Benfica to continue coming here, we have to be in those stadiums. We have to be loud. We have to make ourselves known that Benfica are big here in the United States. Okay? Uh, Chris Harris and Carter Krishnayer, again, I'm going to go back to them because I just listened to the show today, the World Soccer Talk podcast, ran down the lists of of the teams participating in the ICC here in the United States. Every team had a little tidbit. They knew a little bit about every team except for one. Okay? For whatever reason, the English-speaking soccer culture, soccer media here in the United States and and abroad as well, in other parts of the world as well, are very ignorant to Benfica's... uh, Bigness, Benfica's grandeur, if you will. We have a lot of supporters. We have to fill these stadiums. We have to be loud. We have to out cheer. We have to out shout, out sing the opposition. Okay. Um, unlike the other teams, we're not a Hollywood team. Okay. We don't we don't bring the celebrities to the stadium. We are a hardcore fan base that supports this team week in, week out, 52 weeks a year. We got to be in those stadiums, guys. We absolutely got to be loud. We've got to let the ICC know. We've got to let the television partners know. We've got to let the advertisers know that Benfica are a big club and that they are well supported here in North America. That's what we have to do. Benfica also have to play well on the field. That's the third bit. They have to compete with these three teams. They cannot be played off the park, okay? Um, too many times, and I am i don't think Bruno Lage will do this, but Rui Vitoria last year, he gave that game away to 
to Juve. I know it's preseason. I know the result doesn't mean anything. But you got 26,000 people who paid good money to see you play. Seeing your team be the better team for 70 minutes. And then he rolls out the, the second string. And he, he hurts the, the structure of the team because of the minutes he's managing. While on the other sideline, you know... Um, on the other sideline... Juventus are bringing in star. They're working their starters into the match. You know they're working them into the match. Allegri is working his players into the match. At the end, Juve had the strong team. Befica had almost the B team, and the, the lead was lost. And we had nobody left to take penalty kicks. I know that stuff doesn't mean anything to the players, to the coaches, to the president, to the dirigents, but to the twenty six or twenty five thousand people who paid good money who saw their team play well, okay, we saw our team play well. We deserved better last year from Rui Vitoria. It is not just about the players and the coaches, okay? Benfica are a big club with a lot of fans. When people pay money to see you play, you put the product on the field, okay? So I, I plead to Benfica to come here. And to put a good team on the field and to compete with Chivas, compete with Roma, compete with AC Milan. 0-3 is not acceptable preseason or not. That's the news for this week. Sit right there. We're going we're gonna to get ready for Tondela tomorrow. Tomorrow, 3.30, I believe, Eastern Time here in the United States. Possibly 4.30. Lost track of where we are in, in the daylight savings time as far as Portugal is concerned. I believe it's now 4.30 now that I think about it. Um, but keep keep it here. We're gonna hear a few words, a real short uh, bit from Rui Vitoria in the press conference. Another absolutely stupid question from a media member. Um, so sit right there. Uh, catch these comments from Rui, from Bruno Lage, and I will be on the other side. And that is the Mister Mister Bruno Lage talking um, in the press conference earlier today. Uh, f- asked first about Abel Tarapt and his capabilities or possibilities of reintegrating with the first team, with the A team. Um, Bruno Lage explains that to play for Benfica, and this goes for all players, it's very simple. You you train every day 1000 he's is is the term he used and uh, he means you know 1000% um you work hard every day and when your opportunity is given to you you make the most of it and um i like what he i like that he uh he will play the the players that make the most of it and then it went to an absolutely uh ridiculous question by that reporter, an absolutely abs- stupid question asking Bruno Lage if tomorrow, for one day, he's going to be a Braga supporter. And uh, like he usually does, Bruno Lage just absolutely puts that question down and says, No, he's a Benfica because he, he's the coach of Benfica and he's, he's a professional and he knows how to be a professional. Something. You can't say about all of the all of the coaches and all of the representatives of other clubs in Portugal. Um, I'm not going to name names, but there's plenty out there that are more, much more focused on what Benfica are doing than on their own club. Not Bruno Lage 
He is focused on his own team, about what he can control. Each game, one game at a time, he's not looking past one to the other. Also, the question asked if if the Spartan game coming up, you know, was going to affect this game tomorrow. And Bruno Lage again reiterates, this is the most important game tomorrow. And I agree. The game that you, for the rest of this season, the game Benfica are playing are the most important game of the season. Whichever game they are in on that day is now the most important game of the season. It's going to be a grueling, grueling road to the end of the season right now, but we are alive on three fronts. Okay, we're going to be playing twice a week, pretty much every week, um, possibly all the way through. We have to be prepared for it. We've got to play every three days. Um, and Bruno Lage is focused, and I like his focus. I like his process. He shows his focus on the task at hand. He's not thinking about Spartan yet. He's thinking about Tondela. Okay, this is a tough game. And we're going to go into it right now. I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview just to start it out. Um, so, Benfica are huge favorites. I'm on, on Bovada right now on the betting website. And Benfica are a minus 800 favorite in this one. Um, if you're into the spread, which I think a point spread in soccer is quite ridiculous. Um, Benfica are a two and a half goal favorite over Tondela. Um, again, to win on the money line, it is a negative 800 for Benfica. A plus 2100 for Tondela, meaning that if you bet one dollar, you win 210, if my math is correct. Um, or 21, 21. One dollar wins you 21. Um, In this one, no, it is twenty one hundred. They're a huge underdog. Well, let's make a let's make a pseudo bet and see. I won't close this out, but let's see. A one dollar bet tomorrow on Tundela will win you twenty one dollars. So there you go, the underdogs, for sure. Also, a draw, a one dollar bet on a draw will get you, will get you seven dollars and fifty cents tomorrow U.S. That's at, that's at www.bovada.lv if anybody's interested in betting, uh, slash sports slash soccer slash Europe slash Portugal slash Primeira dash Liga. All right, that's my betting information for the day. It's something I haven't done before here. But just to give you an idea of what we're up against. But you can throw all that out once the match starts. This is uh, a must-win game for both teams, actually. Tondela really need points. They're in the drop zone. They need to figure out a way to get out of it. The head-to-head -head right now, all-time, Benfica. Six wins to Tondela's one win, which... Uh, Bruno Lage also reminded us was last season at the Stadio de Luz. All right, it was last season. It was it was on April the twenty eighth of last year, and really, for those of us with a short memory, Tondela really ended the chance of catching Porto for the title. Yeah, we lost to Porto, but we were we were just a few points behind until we lost to Tondela at home. Okay, um, 
earlier this season, Benfica up in Tondela were winners, three to one. So this this could be a tricky fixture, um, and I think that Benfica will be focused. I don't think we're gonna run into what we ran into last year. I don't have much um, fear about this game, but you never know. And when you're most co- we're coming back off an international break, also Rafa played some. Uh, Odi played, Samaric played, uh, some other guys. Um, Sferovic did not play, Fasia did not play. I don't think he will play. I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow or not. Um, Pizzi played some. Ruben Dias played all, both games, all game. Um, so we'll see. We, we will definitely see what happens. Tondela's last game, they drew 1-1 with Ferenc, bottom of the table at home. So, Tondela are in a struggle. They come in on the form of uh, their last five are three losses and two draws. Uh, Last match, they started with Claudio Ramos in goal. And he is a key guy because he is, right now, Portugal's third goalkeeper, if I'm not mistaken. He's the third keeper behind uh, behind Rui Patricio and Beto, all right. He he's probably he could be a big factor in this match. We got to get one early. I like when we score early; it relieves some of the tension. We've and it prevents one of those nights where a goalie just goes off and saves everything against us. Uh, I really <laughs> hope we don't see that. Across the back, at the at right back, they play with Fad Maufi. Um, and the captain, Ricardo Costa, um, we all know him from his time with Porto. He's also Portugal international in the past, World Cup 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Also 2014. Um, as, my, as a friend of the show there, Amador, said on his Simply Benfica podcast today, expect a lot of, uh, a lot of pujada from, from uh, Ricardo Costa. He's there just for that. He's there just to hit, play physical. He's going to hack. Uh, Jorge Fernandes is the other center back. João Zinho was the starting left back in the last match. In the mid, They played with the three-man midfield. João Pedro on the right, Bruno Monteiro in the middle, and Jacquite, who was sent off, so he won't be playing. And then you got the guys up front that I think could could be could be tricky. Uh John Murillo, the Venezuela international, he let's spotlight him for a moment. He played on the right side in his last match. He had 31 successful passes for a percentage of 84%. He won five duels. He also won an aerial duel. Conceded four fouls. Let's take a look at some more of his player profile. He is 23 years old, as I said, from Venezuela, Venezuelan international. He's got 52 career Primera Liga uh, appearances, 25 of them as as starts. Uh, seven appearances for the Colombian national. Uh, sorry, not the Colombian, the Venezuelan national team. Um, He's got nine career goals in the Primera Liga, one career international. He also had 17 appearances in the the Turkish Super League with a goal there. He represented Kaysim Pasa in in, uh, 
Turkey. He also, way back in two, from 2015 to 18, was a Benfica player. He was on loan to Tundela up until this season. Um, or he was on loan up until 2017. Last year on loan to Kasim Pasa. And this year he is a he is no longer our player. I expect him to play. Uh, he's no longer on loan from what I understand. And he could be somebody that Benfica may have to watch. Um, like I said, this team's playing for its life. They're in the drop zone. They have a good coach. They have some good players. Um, every year it seems like Tondela is the team that on the last day of the season squeaks out the result they need to get out of the basement and to salvage uh, another year in the first division in the Lyonage. Um, they're right there again in their comfortable spot. Uh, I believe they're going to be there at the end. I think that they're going to they're gonna stay up. Um, I'd be more concerned if I were Nacional or Bovista or even Sportivo de Zavs. I think Tondela, um, they're on 25 points right now in 16th place. One ahead of Shavs. Shavs also could very well find their way out of there. They're uh, a team that has spent some time in the first division now. Vitoria Stubal has been in the first division a long time, but, you know, uh, they seem to fight off the relegation quite a bit as well. They're right above them in 15th on 25 points. Um, Befica, according to Bruno Lage, has everybody at 100% for tomorrow, including João Félix, who, if you don't know, picked up a little bit of a knock or a twist of some sort. He he left the national team camp early with a little bit of an injury. Bruno Lage says he is fully fit and will play and can play tomorrow. Is available for selection, as is Seferovic and Jardel. So it will be interesting to see what 11 Bruno Lage rolls out tomorrow at the Luge. The tickets are sold out. Um... Except, of course, for this thing that the club's got now. The club just started some kind of resale uh, program where if you have the red pass, if you're a season ticket holder, if I understand correctly, you can. If you can't make a game, you can sell it now. Of course, the club takes a cut of your resale to make sure that they're always making money. But um, basically, the club is being... Is Managed a way to sell tickets twice if necessary. Um, but expect a full house tomorrow night at the Luge. I have verified the game will kick off at 4.30 Eastern Time here in the United States. 1.30 Pacific. It's 8.30 in Portugal. Okay. Um, there's not much else to talk about in this game. Benfica's just got to go out there. I expect to see our usual back line. I expect to, to see... Ruben and Fehu stay as the center back pairing um, for this one. Uh, Andre Almeida on the right, Grimaldo on the left. I expect Samadij and Gabriel in the middle with PZ and Rafa playing on the sides. And up front, um, probably, depending on the fitness of Seferovic, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's going to go with, with, with Jonas and, jo- and Jean Felix to start the match. Um, I expect Seferovic to get a run out to, you know, ease back in. I don't think he's going to start somebody out for, you know, 90 minutes. But then again, perhaps he's going to do what he did against Dinamo and play him from the start and take him out early. We'll see. We'll see what Bruno Lage decides to do tomorrow. Um, again, 4.30, Goal TV and BTV. Um, have your pick. 
uh, if you're here in the United States, of course, and other parts of the country, in other parts of the world, excuse me, check where you can find the match. And sit tight right there because we're going to we're gonna go into the time machine when we get back. Uh, we are going to go back and revisit. I told you guys back, way back there in episode one, <laughs> that we were going to revisit this match. So we're going to go back and listen to um, some sound clips from the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semifinal back in February, February 9th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where Befica were 2-1 winners over Sporting at the Stadio de Luz. Leg 2 is next Wednesday in Stadio José Alvalade, Alvalade, excuse me, and... Um, we're gonna we're gonna preview it right now. We're gonna review the first leg and preview the second leg. So sit right there. We will be right back. And there you have it. There that was the goal by Gabriel in the first leg of this Portuguese Cup semifinal. Gabriel scoring the first along to a two to one victory. Let's quickly recap uh, the leg one. It was over a month ago. Uh, hard to think back that far. Um, but it was a 2-1 to victory for Benfica. Goals were scored by Gabriel. Uh, João Felix forced an own goal off of Thiago Iori. And Bruno Fernandes scoring for Sporting. The 2-1 to result makes this, makes this uh, fixture next Wednesday very, very tricky. It makes it um, where we can be eliminated with a simple 1-0 defeat. So Bruno Lage, I'm sure, is going to come out. And go to look to get the away goal. I don't think we're going to play it safe. That's just... I don't think playing it safe is very safe in this situation. Not with the, with the minimus, the most minimum of margins. Um, I really think that Benfica need to come out and play well. And uh, need to... Need to come out of Avalade with another win. Or at least a draw. But they got to get goals. I, I don't think goalless is going gonna, is gonna to do... Um, uh, let me tell you, Odie gave up another one uh, with the Greek national team this past week. So I'm concerned about Odie. However, I think he does need to play in this match. Um, Svilar was the starter in the first leg. I don't expect to see that come Wednesday. Uh, let's see. The key moment back in leg one was, of course, Jardel going down injured in the 38th minute and debuting Francisco Ferreira, who we know much better as Ferro. Coming on, and he has not relinquished the spot ever since. I don't expect him to be dropped. I expect uh, Ferru and Ruben Dias to keep the spot for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. I'm sorry, Jardel, but uh, these kids are too good right now, and they're in form. Um, your experience is valuable, but I think your experience now, your your value is in the locker room and not so much on the pitch. Uh, you're a great. He'd be a great solution off the bench if... if needed. Um, I'd be fully confident, obviously, in calling on Jardel. But right now, I would not touch the back line. Uh, Sporting, I'll, I'll read you the lineups from leg one, but it really, it is irrelevant because it was so long ago and uh, so much has changed for both teams. Sporting ran out with Henan in goal, Brun Gaspar, Coach Tiagiori, and Borja as the back. Gudai, Wendell, and Bruno Fernandes in the middle with Acuna, Jovan Cabral, and Luis Philippe up top in their 4-4, in their 4-3-3, excuse me, for Mar Marcel Kaiser. Bruno Lages Benfica lined up with Svilar, 
uh, Andre Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel and Grimaldo across the back, Samaris, Gabriel Pizzi, and Salvio were the midfielders on the night. And João Felix and Seferovic were the striker, the strike pairing that night. Um, again, this uh, this thing of playing these games so far apart, so uh, two months apart, you know, one game really doesn't lead into the other the way it should. Um, these really, this is a tale. Of, the only thing one match has to do with the other is the score carrying over, but. Befica cannot sit on this on this minimum lead, in my opinion. They got to come out on Wednesday and go for a goal, and I fully expect them to do that. Uh, especially, you know, with if they get two away goals, I think this thing is done done and dusted. But Sporting, remember, are going to put everything into this game. This is their whole season, the chance to knock out Befica, the club they obsess over, the club that they can't get out of their minds, that they have nightmares about. Everything, all their chants are directed at Benfica. This club is so much more concerned with us than they are with themselves. This game is everything to them. I won't be surprised if if Bruno, Bruno Fernandes is even rested to an extent tomorrow and not played so that he's healthy for Wednesday. He was recalled from the national team, if you remember, in a controversial way. Um, and was on the same day he, he was sent home injured from the national team. He trained that afternoon with no limitations at Sporting. Very questionable. Um, but this is this is the reality of Portuguese football and the the clubs, you know, that that hate us really hate us and the the, the jealousy and the envy is strong and uh, they'll do anything to beat us, so it's not to be discounted. Sporting come in with uh, in their last five on two draws, but now three straight wins um, coming into this one. We'll see how they do tomorrow. How that how that form can if that form continues through tomorrow's match. They play Shavs tomorrow, um, and then Benfica will visit them on the third, which is Wednesday. Um, we'll see who starts. I mean, I I haven't the slightest. Uh, idea where where Marcel Kaiser is going to go with this. I haven't seen much of Sporting ever since I started this podcast, actually. I haven't seen much of anybody other than Benfica. Uh, uh, I used to watch a lot more soccer before, but I, that's fine. I, I Benfica is my club, and like I said on, on with the guys at Benfica after 90, for me, the biggest club in the world, because and for them too, because this is the world we live in. We live in Benfica's world, and uh, they, are, they are our club. Um, Benfica really need to, to finish this out. They they they're a club that need to be in the Chambord, you know. If not every year, almost that. Um, this is a tournament that you know we won a few years ago, uh, beating Vitoria Guimarães um, two to one, if I'm not mistaken, when Jimenez scored that goal and then brought out the Sincara mask, um, the mask that the WWE star Sincara had given him, and. Uh, but aside from that, we've we have not won this competition as often as we should have. Um, ever since the competition went to a two-leg semifinal, we have struggled. Uh, let's not forget some years back, we actually won two nil at the Dragon, took a two nil lead home, and lost three to one at home to Porto, and saw us uh, eliminated from the cup on our own field that night, and. Uh, that was very tough, <laughs> still in my mind. But um, 
I'm hoping for a fair match. I'm hoping that the referee is not the center of attention again in this one. Um, hopefully nothing has to go to VAR. Hopefully everything is played at the run of play. And hopefully, uh, obviously, Benfica, if all things run, you know, smoothly, their Sporting cannot stay with Benfica if everything goes right. It's when things start to go wrong that Sporting can play with this team. Um, Bruno Fernandes is obviously a key player. Bajdost, uh hasn't played in the last couple of weeks, from what I understand. But uh, Bruno Fernandes has been phenomenal. Um, and Sporting's got tons of phantom penalty kicks this year. I won't be surprised if, to see them get one. That's why we got to at least get an away goal and force them to get two. Um, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a busy, busy week for Benfiquistas. Uh, I don't have much else tonight. It's uh, just glad that the international break is over. I'm glad that uh, Benfica is back. Um, for those of you that are interested, sometime this weekend, check out or search for par the Parking the Bus channel on, on Podbean. If you go to Podbean, that's where it's going to launch first. I will release the Mr. Portugal episode there. And then I'm going to try to get it distributed from there to other platforms. But for the time being, it's going to be on my, my personal Podbean channel. Um, this show, of course, is not on that channel as this show is produced and hosted by Anchor. Um, I'm not able to put it on my personal channel on Podbean. Um, you'll have to download if you download this show on Podbean it's not going to be the same feed as what I'm trying to say you'll have to search for it I'll tweet out a link when it's available all right if you're interested in that I got other stuff coming this year um, I'm launching this channel this is really the project I had in mind from the beginning it's a lot of work right now but I'm gonna be putting all my podcasts there minus this one this one's I think is gonna stay where it is right now. Um, although episode one has disappeared from my feed here, um, whether it be on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on wherever you're getting this, uh, episode one has literally disappeared. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not too happy about it. Um, I'll have to figure that out and go from there. I'm hoping not to lose any more content because this, uh, this is a lot of work putting this show together, uh. Tonight, I know, wasn't as as uh, in-depth as I like to go or as I normally go. <sighs> this is what happens when we have an international break. Um, there's less to say. Um, hard to preview teams that very little information is available for. Uh, just looking forward to this game tomorrow and getting back to normal. Um, but... Do search for that my channel on Podbean. Like I said, what I got coming up, I got the Kicking It Old School podcast, which I've been calling the Park in the Bus podcast. I got the first episode in the can. It's it's done. It's just got to be put. It's just got to be released. I'm gonna rename it after the first episode. It's gonna become Kicking It Old School, Park in the Bus, Kicking It Old School. All right, that's where I will review classic matches. Um, I've also got a ton of ideas for the off season with Benfica. I'm not going away this summer, um, just like uh, I didn't go away during this international break. I'm not going away this summer. I'm gonna be producing some some content for you guys, and I think you're gonna like it. It's gonna be different. We're gonna 
we're gonna we're gonna review some classic Benfica games from from previous eras. We are gonna preview. S I've got a, a movie, <laughs> a, a movie. I'm gonna gonna preview a documentary on Osevio. I got uh, some Vitoria and Patrimonius, the Vitoria and Patrimonius that we're gonna we're gonna watch and and review as well as some season reviews and there's some other cool stuff out there on YouTube. So I'll be posting a video. Uh, this is not until summer. We got eight weeks to go, but this is my idea that I want to share. Is once the off season hits, um, every Monday I'll post the link to a video on YouTube. Preferably, most likely, it'll always be on YouTube. And on Friday, I will review that video. Okay, so uh, it'll be a little bit different of a of a format, but I want to bring my passion for the history of Benfica to you in the off season. Same way I bring my passion for. For the tactics and match analysis and just overall Benfiquismo during the regular season. The, that's going to be it for tonight, guys. Um, thank you for, for listening. If you haven't yet, check out Amador's uh, Simply Benfica podcast dropped this morning. Uh, it's in Portuguese. Good episode. He's got a new project. He's starting up. He explains it in the episode. Also, again, Benfica After 90. Go to them right after the match ends tomorrow, all right? Well, go to their YouTube or their Twitter. Find out when their episode is airing or is going live tomorrow on YouTube. They go live after the games. They got a lot to say. They do a great job. Those guys, you know, really, really do good work. Support them. Catch the show. All right. Um, go back in their archives and find the Benfica's Worldwide episode with me. Get to know me a little better if you don't already know me. All right, there's a ton of other great Benfica content out there. Like I said, Benfica Podcast, Azagias, Cassette Vermelha, Benfica FM, Conversas a Benfica. Uh, this week's Conversas a Benfica, a new episode featuring Felipe Teixeira. Go over there, listen to his story. Phenomenal. After my episode of Benfica's Worldwide, the guys recorded another one with, with um, Pete from from England, catch that, unique perspective, awesome story, great, great story, he's got a lot to share, check that out as well, really guys, just keep, keep soaking up all this Benfica content, there's so much of it out there, um, sample it all, alright, um, everybody's working hard, everybody's producing quality stuff, um, keep it out there, and, um, Enjoy the match tomorrow, and we'll see you next week. Where we'll next week we'll be breaking down back to our normal selves, breaking down the Tondela match and breaking down the Sporting match. Okay, I'll see you next week. TGIF, Dam U Trinta Set, Benfica.